0: And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi, and I'm glad to have you with me here today. The Road to a Billion is a call in radio show style podcast where you can ask me questions about freelancing, copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, scaling, relationships, money, and more. Uh, You can also ask my guests those questions, including my guest today, who I'll introduce in a moment. The reason for the name The Road to a Billion is twofold. One is... um, sold around a billion dollars worth of products and services, uh, both my own for clients, and because I wanna make an impact in the lives of a billion people over the next 10 years. So a bit later on in the show, we'll take your calls. The way that works is if you're on Zoom, you just pop questions into the Q&A section and we'll go through and we'll answer some of those. Um, But before we get to that, I wanna introduce and then chat with my guest today, who is Troy Erickson. If you don't know Troy, I first met him back in 2019. He attended a small workshop that Ian Stanley and I did in Las Vegas around freelancing. It ended up becoming part of the freelancing or freelancer freedom course that uh, Ian and I have. Um, at that point, Troy was 23. He was making four to six thousand dollars per month as a freelance email copywriter and list manager, which was you know great for 23. Way more than I was making at that age. um But you know, I knew he had more potential, and Troy knew he had more potential, and that's why he was there. And so in 2020, Troy joined CopyXider, and within a few short months, he's gone from making $6,000 a month on average to $30,000 a month, and he hasn't stopped since. Uh, today, he's having $100,000 plus months uh, doing email list management, deliverability stuff, which we'll get into, uh, working with eight and nine-figure brands like Traffic and Funnels, v VShred, uh, Snow White and Strategic Profits, and more. Troy is helping entrepreneurs scale their email lists to over six figures uh, per month by improving email deliverability, automation, strategy, and copy. And he's also a mentor to 250 plus copywriters, train them to become email list managers so they can create more opportunities for themselves and boost their income. So freaking awesome. And uh, Troy, we are so happy to have you here today. Thanks for joining me, man.
1: Yeah, thank you. I've been looking forward to this for a very, very long time. And uh, it's just cool. Cause like you helped me get started on this whole journey and um, it's been awesome, man. So I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear, I guess like starting um, when you first came in uh to the free answer freedom event in december of 2019 do you want to kind of share with people just where you where you were how you got to that place and sort of set the scene and from there we'll kind of go through to where you are today so yeah what was troy's life like in in 2019 you know when you oh yeah
1: <laughs> i mean it uh it was it, it started a little bit before that so maybe some people know my story but um, growing up, I was an only child and all I ever did was like hang out with my dad and play baseball. That was like all I ever wanted to do. All I ever wanted to do in my life was play professionally. Um, and when I say that it wasn't from just like, oh, it'd be nice. Like I literally practice every single day with my dad for like hours on the batting cage or throwing or whatever. Um, and in high school, I had Tommy John surgery. My elbow just snapped one day during practice um, at the age of 16. And that's like the most serious thing surgery you can have in baseball like normally you don't have that unless you're 30 something in the big leagues but i had it at 16. so i was out for a whole year worked my way back still made it to college baseball um at the d3 level ended up transferring to a d2 school and then i had a little run-in with something called the yips which is very common in like throwing athletes as well as golfers where you kind of just like lose your ability to do simple things like throw a baseball or to you know like put a golf ball um, and it was extremely embarrassing. And I basically went from this guy who had probably like, the most potential on the team that year and did like very well at the start. And I was like, nobody even trusted me anymore. And as a senior on my team, the next year I got cut, which as you can imagine, given that baseball was my identity at the time, it just got stripped away and I had like no clue like what to do with myself. I literally hid inside for two weeks. Um, and at that point, like I had dabbled in like, looking at online business stuff um for a little while but in those two weeks i was like you know what i have to do something like more serious if i want to like not have a regular job so i started looking into it and i had a couple of different clients um that i had was like sort of working with but didn't really care that much and then i had to take it more seriously at that point so um Ah, uh, one of my clients, he actually um gave me a ticket because his wife was uh, expecting around the time of the first copy accelerator event. um because, you know, I'd been doing this for a little bit now, and it was like two grand a month while I was still in school, but after I graduated, it was roughly four a month. Um, so he just gave me this ticket to copy accelerator. And at first, I was like, yeah, I don't like I'm not into events really. Like I don't want to go to this thing. And he was like, okay. Um, and at the time I was more interested in flying out to California and just enjoying this like first ever vacation that I had after college. But at the same time, I knew um, one of my other mentors, Ian Stanley was out there and I just DM'd him on Instagram. I was like, hey man, I'm gonna be around in a speech. Is there any way that we could possibly meet up and just like talk for a few minutes? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, no way. So um, I showed up and I was talking to Ian. We had a good conversation. And then at the end, I was like, hey, what's your key to success? And he was like, I go to events. So I was like, oh. So I called back my mentor, Greg, who offered me the ticket and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry for like being arrogant earlier, but I'm gonna take that ticket. Um, so I took it and I ended up at Copy Accelerator. And I don't even know if you like really knew who I was at that point or anything, but it was cool. I was like, oh, there was Justin and Stefan, the two guys that like, Greg mentioned, it was cool. And I walked into this room just full of people who were crushing it. And I felt like I didn't really belong. But um, at that event, and then also the Freelance of Freedom event, which I actually paid for myself because I saw the all the value from Copy Accelerator. Um, between those two events, at some point in there, you were just like, dude, you have so much potential, like you could kill it with this. I know you were doing like like Facebook ads and stuff. And now you're like kind of diving into email. I think you could really make something with this. And I always believed in myself so like I believe that too, but I didn't even believe it as much as you did and a lot of people close to me as much as I love my family and stuff they were like hey go get a job like you know $42,000 a year you'll work your way up all this. Um, So yeah you were the first one who said like hey um, I think you can really make something out of this and that's kind of the story of how I ended up in the circle. Um, And the next copy accelerator event, which was February, 2020, you had seen some of my skill and you introduced me to a couple of people. Um, And then about a month or two after that is when I was in the $30,000 a month range, honestly, just from all the copy projects and lists that I was managing. Um, And since then I've gone on to create my own offers and just, it's been really fun and exciting to scale this up, but that's kind of the, the long version of the story.
0: No, that's, that's an awesome yeah, version. Yeah, honestly, I was I was talking about Frames of Freedom, but I, I forgot about September of 2019, which was yeah, the first time we officially met. Um and I, but I love it. I mean, you know, live events are I'm the same way as, as Ian is and that I mean live events changed my life in, in so many ways. And um some of the reasons why I do a mastermind today is because masterminds sort of uh changed everything for me. Um, you know, like the connections, the confidence. Um the network, the um, the doors being opened, the mindset—I mean, all of those sorts of things—and so it's really neat to see that. And by the way, we do have a Copy Accelerator event coming up in Scottsdale, uh, August thirty-first through September second. This won't be turned into a Copy Accelerator uh, secret webinar, but I'm going to pop a link to the sales letter <laughs> in the Zoom chat and on Facebook Live. So for those who um, haven't seen the sales letter and want to apply to attend, you know, you should. Uh, like as Troy can attest, it, these are life-changing types of events. Um, I actually want to go back real quick to the yips, just out of curiosity, because I'm familiar with that concept as someone who's a big, uh, you know, fan of baseball and and I have golf as well. I golfed yesterday. Um, like, why do you think, do have you having more time, having kind of been separated between when it happened? Like, what do you think it was? Is it just like, is it mindset? Is it like confidence? Is it like just, you know, being in your own head? Like, you know, what do you think causes people to get the yips? Cause like Troy said this when people just can't, do basic things, like you know, your and you completely lose control. Um, or maybe your pitcher and you can't throw over to first base, right? Like John Lester, pitcher just refuses. He just stopped throwing to first base. It's like the gnarliest thing ever. It's like you can pitch 95, 97 miles per hour straight down the middle, no problem. But when he tries to throw the ball to first base, if there's a runner on, he just throws it away. So he just stopped doing it because he just freaked out. But like, you know, I'm curious, Troy, like is, is there any I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, why people get the get the yips.
1: Yeah, so it's still a lot of stuff I'm working through, and uh, it still like pains me to think about it um, to this day. But, you know, at time kind of helps a little bit and breaks down some things. But honestly, I think it was twofold. So, one, like, and a lot of entrepreneurs have this, but maybe not like in athletics, of course, but like you're very hard on yourself. Um, That was the first thing, because like I always had super high expectations for my baseball career, my dad always had super high expectations which was great because it got me to D2 college baseball. Not a lot of people make it that far, but at the same time, I had a really difficult time, like forgiving myself for like making any little mistake and then coupled with the fact that I had, you know, the worst, like most aggressive surgery at the age of 16. Um, and like going through that rehab process, like you're scared shitless with the first time you pick up a ball and throw it again, because the last time you threw a ball, that you had this pop in your arm and like tingling sensation all the way up. And like my coach is watching me, like, I'm trying to make the varsity team in high school, like all these thoughts going through your head. And it just kind of like those two things combined, you put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. And when it starts not going that way, you start to like, really think about it too much. And it's kind of weird. Cause like at first I just had problems like playing catch and I was like very nervous. I get on the mound and everything was fine. But then as time went on, it, it like flipped a little bit where it's like catch was a little easier, but then pitching got like harder. And then I just like lost everything. And at that point, it's like my coaches were watching and they knew that you know I was a shell of what I used to be. And that got in my head and it just turned into a massive snowball effect and everything blew up. And it's still hard. It's like even like today when I think about it, like I'll go to the cage like by myself and just like throw because it's therapy for me. But it's like when other people are around or when i feel like there's like i have to like impress somebody it's just it's weird um so it's a very applicable lesson to life you just can't like you know as much as like justin says you just can't be too hard on yourself and it's a very very real thing
2: yeah
0: absolutely no i mean i imagine that's gotta be brutal i mean i think what's interesting too though is that you in a way i i see a lot of freelancers um getting the ifs as well though. Right. And suddenly they start overthinking everything. They can't write a basic email, like, like an email creative, right. Like it should take you 15 minutes, 20 minutes to write like at most, right. Like sometimes like 10 minutes, eight minutes, and then I'll see writers or freelancers who come in and they like, they start overthinking it to where it's like days to write a single email creative. And it's, it's kind of a, a similar concept, but I guess, so my, my follow up question there is like, you know, going from, um, within your freelancing career and now you're like an opera owner and, and and do other stuff too like did you do you think maybe like the experience of having the apos some baseball like influenced how you operated as a freelancer as well they helped with mindset and, and stuff like that
1: yeah 100 so there's actually a couple thoughts I have on this so and even if you don't like play a sport like putting yourself through challenging things really helps because for example when you're out on the mound in a pressure situation you and you know you throw a pitch like something happens and the ball gets hit or you know ball strike whatever um you get the ball back and then you know nothing stops it's like you have to throw the next pitch at some point in the next like 15 20 seconds like you have no choice or like you throw a pitch you have to make an adjustment think about like okay within a few seconds like what am i going to do next how do i read the situation all the things that are going on But in business, things are very slow. Like when you tell me that if you put a timer on me and said, hey, you have 15 minutes to write this email, that feels like an eternity to me. Um, So it's pretty crazy. Uh, Additionally, I just feel like there's a lot less pressure. So um, Chris Long, he was uh, he played for in the NFL for the Patriots and the Eagles for a while. And when he retired, he had this quote that really stuck with me. It said that, um, you know, when you're on the like after you retire, the highs aren't as high, but the lows aren't as low. So like there i can't replicate that feeling of like throwing like seven like shut out innings I, i'll never feel like that good but at the same time i'll never feel as low as i did walking off the mound for the last time knowing that i was going to get cut. like that was painful Yeah. and in business like yeah there's some highs but they can't get as high but they can't get as low either so it's definitely a weird trade-off um and everything like i truly believe that everything happens for a reason i know it sounds cheesy but there's only one way that the world can happen. And that's the way that it does. There's no like alternate universes or anything. So like this was supposed to happen as much as I didn't want it to, it led to something like amazing that I never could have seen.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And I, I do love that perspective. And um, you know, I like talking about responsibility being that, you know, you can't really do anything about stuff that's gonna happen to you, right? The world happens to you, it's, it's an impartial and objective, right? what's personal and subjective is the way you respond to stuff um and i think that's you know just super important um cuz you're going to get curveballs using the baseball pun kind of but you're going to get curveballs thrown at you all the time right and like it can be little things but they could derail your day i mean i'm not going to make this all about me but like you know we had a truck tire blow out on monday when Laura took her daughter to get or, or, our daughter to get ice cream and um, you know, then I had to like stop what I was doing and not go on this call. And then, but then it was like, wow, cool! I changed a flat tire. I've never done that before. Like, I turned it into like a cool experience. And then um, yesterday, the internet went out in most webinar, and it's like, damn, like that sucks. But I was like, you know, I wanted to golf, and I was torn on whether oh, whether I was going out. You know, I'm going to go golfing, and I ended up like golfing on this beautiful mountain course and seeing like turkey and deer and all this stuff. And so, you know, it's really about how you respond to stuff, right? And um, and it sounds like you have that same mentality, which is really powerful. Um, you know, I know the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low, but, you know, you've been having some pretty good highs lately, like, I guess, um, financially, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing what you did in June, but if you are, I'd love for people to hear, but if not, I'm going to say, you, know, you can give it a ballpark on it. But basically, you know, the, the question is, now that you're at that level, which I'll let you kind of say as much or as little about as you, as you want to, um, I mean, how how has your life changed? I'm curious about that, too.
1: Yeah. So I'm okay with saying that it's in the six-figure-a-month range. That's fine. I'm confident in what I do. So Um, it's been amazing. And I'm not going to lie. Like a lot of people will come on shows and stuff and they're like, oh, I had like nothing growing up. Like I had good parents growing up. I did. And it's like, they did a lot for me. We sacrificed a lot to play baseball and all that stuff. And in general, like, you know, I had a decent life growing up, Um, but I never really had the ability to like make big decisions on my own. So as far as like what I have, like I live in a cool place in Florida. I was able to move out of the Midwest, move in uh, to a pretty decent house, like in Florida with my friends. And it's been amazing so far. I'm able to travel like whenever, wherever I want, bought a Jaguar F-Type. I can spend a little more on just like things that are cool. I haven't done anything that's like too crazy because it's like again, um, my parents instilled like you know being financially responsible is important, uh, but just being able to like learn at the next level and like really invest in my own education is is what's really fun. Um, so being able to do all those things and mainly just like have experiences, man, like that's what I really, really, really enjoy.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, so but I, I guess what? How, how about? Do you have more confidence going from where you were, you know, back in 2019 to today? I mean, cause that's one thing that really changed for me when we're starting to make a lot of money was like confidence, but then the, the, the danger of the trap is you start to equate your self worth with the money you're making. Right. And you're like, if I'm making lots of money, I'm killing it. I'm a great person. And then if you have a bad month or you're not making a lot of money, you're like, Oh, now I suck. Right. And so, you have to get rid of that like kind of um equivalency because it's a false equivalency right your value comes from inside of you and the person you are and your character and things like that um but you know those anxieties and fears like a lot of those like knowing as you're succeeding like it you know like wins breed more wins right they tend to like winning breeds winning um so have you felt like your confidence has it really shifted or changed or did you feel like you were always very confident and now just sort of like your earnings and income and growth have caught up with that i'd be curious to hear
1: yeah i mean i'm definitely more confident there's no doubt and it's like as with anybody there's certain areas of my life where you know i'm more confident than other areas like i always knew that i was going to like succeed in some level with business um i mean i was sure about that in baseball too but that didn't work out but in business i was like okay this game moves a lot slower than that game and i know that over time i can win i didn't think i'd win like this quickly And, and like what is winning like nobody really knows right um, but yeah, I'm definitely more confident now. Although I was like, pretty sure that I was going to like kill it at some point. Um, but yeah, it's like a lot of that stuff you're saying is true, but I'm more of a more aware of it now. Like if I make less money this month, that little thing in the back of my head is like, dude, you're failing. Um, and it's like, that's just how it is. Like every month for the rest of my life, it is probably going to be that way. Um, but I'm more aware of it now and. I'm still hard on myself. Like if I don't get results for a certain person, like I'll feel terrible. If you know something bad happens, I'll feel terrible. But then there's a lot of good stuff. So there's a lot more good than bad. But yeah, it's um, I'm definitely more confident. But I always had you know some level of belief in myself.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, and from there, I, I want to shift into um, some email specific stuff. So I want to talk about kind of like list management, what that is for people who maybe don't really know a lot about it and, you know, would be considering if that might be a good opportunity um, for them and then the deliverability stuff uh, specifically. So let's start with kind of the list management side of it and like what you're doing with helping and training others. I'd love to hear about that.
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, the main thing that I'm trying to teach, like the big simple idea is that there's a lot of copywriters out there. They do all their work in Google Docs and they just send out emails to people um, and they get paid one time. And it's kind of feast or famine. And it's like, maybe that client will be back next month, maybe not. But when you can manage an email list, you basically like writing gets your foot in the door, sure. But you can take it to the next level and like have control of your own list that you manage and the client trusts you to manage on a monthly basis. You can get paid more because you're writing just about every day and you know doing a few other valuable things that i will get to in a minute. And it's on retainer. Um, So when I started out, I was charging about 3K a month to write a daily, like after I figured this stuff out, uh, to write a daily email uh, to work on automation. So for example, like if the really important automations are like abandoned car, welcome series, like browse abandonment, sunset series, I do about one per week until they're all done. And then I also make sure all the, the emails land in the primary inbox. So it's like three pieces to it. And then the fourth one would just be like strategizing with the client. I have some, you know, big wins to share with that too, like simple, you know, takeaways. Um, but it's like, you like email is such a big part to business these days that when you have like the keys to that, it's really hard to get fired. And if you are a decent writer, you can crush it for a client and they'll happily pay you more. So eventually then I figured out like, Hey, you should probably increase my prices, add a bonus on the back end for performance, all of that stuff. Um so I'm getting money up front as well as after the month and there's just a lot of positives that that go into list management. And the main for me, especially when I didn't have a ton of clients when I first started, was that I don't have to worry that this money is going to disappear next month because I'm doing a great job for this client and
2: they're paying me on retainer. Awesome, sorry
0: I to unmute myself. Um, cool. And so, How did you get your first kind of clients for doing list management? Was it just people you were were writing daily emails and you just pitched them on it? Or how did um, did that come about? Yeah. So it was
1: actually, I think I got my first one before I even knew you, but I wasn't really even sure what list management was because I started in Facebook ads. Like that was the very first thing. I took this course from a guy named Grant Cooper. He had an agency called Social Vantage. Uh, I think he's doing well now in something else um, for gyms, but he taught me so much. And then I went on Upwork and got my first few clients, probably like many people here. Um, And eventually I found Greg, one of my first mentors, and we kind of shared this big project together. Um, Gary Vee was a part of it. They had like NFL players as sponsors, it was called Burger Box. they were like mail burgers to you. It's like a meal kit, but it was unhealthy. Um, So like I started running ads for that and I like showed them funnels. They'd never seen it. It was like kind of doing okay and then it failed. Um, And then I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks. I lost one of my two clients, Uh, but Greg was like, Hey, I want to start this other project called Hustle Island, where we teach people the basics of entrepreneurship. Um, And that thing took off right away. We did like a free plus shipping offer with a t-shirt that said hustle on it. It was like made up of a bunch of smaller words like persistence, grit, hard work. Um, And then we built up this email list of 147,000 people. Um, And uh, it was after a year, like 22,000 customers, 147,000 subs. And Greg was like, hey, man, we really haven't been dabbling in email have you ever managed in like you know any type of email stuff before and i was like no he's like okay you have the job i was like all right so i just like hopped in and like completely failed at everything and you know like we we're going to spam like i was sending emails that didn't make any sense i was like putting them all in an autoresponder and just like saying random things and linking to products and had no clue what i was doing so that was one way and then in another way one of my other like I had two clients so that was one client and then the other one um, they wanted to fire me so I wouldn't run their Facebook ads anymore I was like hold up the stats in Facebook look pretty good what's the problem here and they're like no you're fired I'm like no you're gonna tell me what's wrong they're like okay so our emails suck and I was like all right so like let me sign in and try to fix this because I have dabbled in this before Um, so I went in and like basically took everything I failed that with Hustle Island and like use those lessons to help them like get out of spam and write emails that made more sense and write more emails, frankly. Um, So I took that email list, I think from like 13K a month to like 47 or like 52, I can't remember what the peak was, but um, that was another big win. So I was like, all right, I might as well like do this for more people because there's a lot of Facebook ad people out there in this red ocean, I wanna go over here to this blue ocean which at the same time, copywriting was getting more popular from, you know, some of the gurus that were really pushing it in like 2017, 18. Um, so by 2019, I kind of had dabbled in writing and sort of new list management. I just didn't know where to find a lot of clients until I found your stuff.
0: Cool. no, that's yeah, that's awesome. I do love, I love that they went to fire you and you're just like, nah, <laughs> like, but that is so powerful, man. That That's like, you know, because I mean, most people don't respond that way. They say, right? Like, oh, shucks. Okay. Like, you know, um, and the fact that you were like, let me get to the root of what it is and I can fix it. Um, it's powerful. And I love also that when the opportunity was presented to you for the list management stuff, you didn't say, well, I don't know how to do it. I'm not ready. Cause so many freelancers, oh, I'm not ready. I've never done it before. I'm not. like, it's like, well, when are you ever going to do it? If you, if you keep saying I'm not ready every time, I've never done this, then you'll, you'll never be ready. You'll never do it. You have to just dive in and get experience. Um, so I just love that I see, I resonated with that a ton because I did the same thing early on in my freelancing career with like, I built WordPress websites, I did SEO for people, um, you know, just all kinds of things like that. I had no idea how to do, but I'd be like, oh yeah, totally, I can do that, right? And I would learn, like you can learn. Nothing's that complicated, right? I mean, that's something I think is so important. Like There's no, we're not rocket scientists. We're not building bridges. Right, it's like we're fucking we're sending emails. We're like in active campaign or Entreport or whatever, right? Um, so that's really awesome. And um, and then to transition over to the the deliverability side, so you have like a truly like irresistible offer, which is like, hey, basically pay me money and I will make sure that almost all of your emails uh, land in the primary tab of Gmail and not the promotions tab, which is worth a shit ton of money because people, you know, maybe check their promotions tab once a day. Some people never check them but they check everything in their primary tab. So you don't don't have to give away, and it's like not hard, it's like a a little code basically you put in, but like, how did you come, I mean, that's it's so crazy. How did you come about that offer? I'd love to hear a little bit more of the origins of it.
1: Yeah, sure. So it kind of goes back to what you were saying about just jumping into things and trying them. And I think so many people would be better off if they did that. And I certainly never would have found this like strategy if I didn't do that. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, those two first clients taught me about like how to avoid spam, which sure it's like, you know, keep good list hygiene, only send the people have opened recently, you know, test your emails, make sure they're not going to spam, send good content that's congruent. You know, I could say a thousand different things, but, um, and then I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I stumbled across like Ian's product about it, which is, you know, what I call like the hard way. It's a great product and Ian's awesome, but it definitely takes a lot of time to like, kind of guess and check your emails. But again, like I'm a very hard worker and very diligent in what I do. So like I was testing, like I would not allow a single client's email to go to the promo tab. I just wouldn't do it because I saw the difference in open rates and revenue. So I said, okay, I'm going to sit here and figure out every single email until it goes to the primary tab. Sometimes it took an hour for me to figure out how to do it. And naturally, when it takes that long, you're like, there has to be a better way. So you play around with things, you notice patterns that you're testing and you're like, hmm, this seems to work better. And you kind of like get a clue and you keep going down that rabbit hole until you find something. So essentially what I have now, um, it used to be like just HTML code, but then for compliance, I have to like change the offer a little bit, still works in the same like manner. Um, But honestly, I think it works better I it can create more sales with the way that I do it now. Um, And I've seen like Mike Geary do similar things with this as well. Um, But yeah, what I did is basically studied like what the algorithm looks for with my own testing as well as like Glock apps and a whole bunch of other tools. Um, And I just modified the email template not like just plain text like there's other things to do to it as well. Um, But it basically like approves it with Gmail where it doesn't look as promotional. Um, And you can definitely send emails get at least 90% or so into the primary tab for some people it works for all emails. Um, but at the end of the day, there was just a lot of hard work that went into it. And I've really got it bulletproof now, where, like I said, 90% plus, it's compliant. I made a lot of changes to it this year and it's getting amazing results for people. And that's my number one offer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy offer. I literally, uh, Warren Phillips was DMing me yesterday on Facebook and he's like, I don't know if he hired me yet or he was about to hire you, but he's like, you know, I'm hiring hiring your boy Troy. Like, how can I say no to that? Like, I was like, I said, seriously, it's an irresistible offer. And I think, you know, That's so important because like, right, like, hey, I'll write emails for you. It's like, cool, a million people will do that. Like, hey, I'll get 90% of your emails into the primary tab on Gmail. If you're an offer owner, again, that's worth six, seven figures a year. Uh, You know, like many people, it's worth seven figures a year. And like, you frankly don't even charge that much for it, all things being, you know, relative to the amount of the ROI. Um, Do you run into high level potential clients who are resistant to it? And then if so, you know, how do you kind of help to get them on board and, and understand how valuable this is?
1: Yeah. So, the biggest thing I run into, which I totally understand, is they think I'm doing like some black hat, like under the table hacking Gmail or something. I'm like, like no, dude, it's actually way simpler than that. It doesn't even require like a code or anything. I literally just tweak your template and you're good to go. And maybe some of those like smarter, like maybe, not smart, but like people that have been in email for a long time in here, maybe they get like a hint of what I'm doing. But the thing is, like, you're like, I'm going to put in more work than you. Like I have so many, like I have so much data on this computer that I'm using right now based off of everything that I've tested um, that's going to work. And the main resistance I get is they just assume that it's like bad. Um, And I get that. Like I'm selling something that seems too good to be true. I get it. But after I do it for people, they're like, wow, that's genius. And I wouldn't even use the word like clever. I would say creative is the best word to describe it. Um, It's got amazing results for people. It's compliant. And that's what I can tell people. And I'll jump on the phone and be like, Hey, I get it. Like, it sounds weird, but I wouldn't have done this for over 170 people and gotten all the amazing testimonials and results that I've shown you if it didn't work. And plus the fact that Gmail puts it into primary shows that like it's good content. Like people want to see it. And if you're helping their users be more satisfied, like that's what every software on earth wants right now. So yeah, that's probably the main amount of resistance. And another thing I think too, is just like human bias. Like I'm 25, there are people that talk to me who have been doing email for more than 25 years. And it's like, I've never seen anything like this. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like it's new, it's an exciting new idea. And just because it's new, doesn't mean that I just like came up with it last night. Like I would like to say that I have a lot of credibility and I'm just trying to portray that to people because I just wanna be skeptical with them and help them understand what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So for people, I could do this in the middle of the episode versus the end. I mean, for people who want to reach out to you about, um, you know, learning stuff, stuff around list management, or they want to um, hire you to make sure that all their emails inbox, which seriously, if you're a business owner doing over a million dollars a year, like, it would just the most no brainer thing I've ever seen if you email regularly. And if you don't email regularly, just talk to Troy, because he can help or hook you up um, or, you know, but just for people in general who want to um, to follow you, like what, what what are the best ways for people to kind of engage with you?
1: Yeah, sure. And the funny thing is like, you don't have to be doing anywhere near a million dollars cause I don't charge like that much compared to what I should charge for this. You can't follow it's, people you're, for you. Yeah, it's you're right. so <laughs> simple that like, there's no way I can put it on subscription. That's the thing that like keeps me up at night is like, I wish I could put this on subscription, but it's too simple that when I show you it, you're like, wow, that's smart. And then you can just like do what I show you. But um, gmailpromotab.com. I got that domain last night specifically nice. for this episode. Um, but if you have any like questions, of course you can message me on Facebook or email me. Um, but gmailpromotab.com is going to have the main um, like information about that, that offer. As far as like getting on my list in general, um, what I do is I give people this email like FAQ sheet where it has like literally every question about email and like, how to increase my open rates. How do I come up with content when I have nothing to say? How do I grow my email list organically? All that stuff is at FAQ email.com. Um, so those are like the main two things. And the FAQ thing is free.
0: Awesome. Pop, pop, pop in that one in the chat too here. Faqemail.com. Cool. Obviously I put F-A-K because apparently I can't spell. Um, sweet man. Yeah. I mean, it's so badass. So seriously, for people who, who want to learn more um from Troy, make sure that you get on you know, his his list. And that FAQ thing is ridiculous. I think it's so smart you did that too. It also saves you having to answer the same questions again and again and again. Cause I get that with my email list too, right? Where it's like, how do I get my first client? Um, you know, like that's like it's, it's a lot of client related questions but it's like, I should probably copy and swipe you um, and do that cause it's super smart.
1: Yeah, feel free. And that was a, a lot of the stuff that I shared with Rich Sheffern recently um, on Steeler Winner is just basically Anytime I have like a reply email at the beginning of an automation, like obviously it's great for deliverability, it's great for learning about your audience, knowing what they wanna buy. Um, But then I just automate the reply to them with a document that has all the answers to the questions that other people have asked. And a lot of people ask the same question and they click on it, they save it, they share it with their friends um, and then I have like little upsells throughout it. So it works incredibly well
0: and people love it. Yeah, that's really cool sweet i want to go to um the questions from the audience i'm nervous about my wi-fi here it seems to be doing fine but i figured rather than um you know let's 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 jump in i know because spade asked the first question um and maybe we'll both answer he said he can't talk so i'll just read it out loud he said uh if you can choose only one of these options do you prefer to run your own offer or being a freelancer so i'd love to hear your answer to that troy and then i'll answer as well
1: sure so i mean if i had to answer it like immediately i would say run your own offer but i do want you to keep in mind that being a freelancer um, is the step to being an offer right so like a lot of people when they have too many clients of like oh no like i can't stand clients but like clients are like they're amazing like when you start out like you need clients to learn and you're learning on somebody else's dime and you're learning things that frankly you can't just learn by doing stuff immediately on your own at least not without spending a lot of you know extra years and millions of dollars. So um, clients are a blessing. And if you eventually have the aspiration to you know own your own offer, 100% do it, but try to get a lot of stuff like down with your clients first. And then there's other people too, they just wanna like freelance like Jared Harlan, like he makes a lot of money every month, just working like 10 hours a week so he can spend time with his daughter. He just wants to be a freelancer. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I'm wired differently. And I just like, I don't know why but i just want to like keep going up and up and up and never stop
0: yeah no, that's that's awesome I'm, I'm super aligned with you on that um i agree i mean i, I think because people i really try and have freelancers think about themselves as running a business right it's like the business of you and you're doing like the sales you're doing the fulfillment you're doing the customer service um you know you're doing the customer retention like you're doing all these things that you would do with any other business right accounting bookkeeping um everything so Uh, I think it's a great first step for a lot of people. Um, And then I also agree some people, if you're really going after like lifestyle and it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to work a limited number of hours a week. I like, you know, have it set up good. I'm making this money. It's kind of like, I know what I'm going to make each month and I'm happy with that. Then, um, you know, I think freelancing can be really solid. Um, And you know, running businesses is is risky for all the awesome success stories. There's people out there who, you know, put a lot of money into businesses that that fail. that being said you know one thing i want to throw in there because i wrote an email to my list today about how uh some of the um accounting people i work with had been slow to respond on stuff and i was getting pissed off and all that and i talked about a um a freelancer who i helped get like some opportunities and he basically dropped the ball at the end and i talked about how communication is so important right actively and proactively communicating with um clients and a couple people replied back to the emails and they're like yeah and standing of clients, the client should respond to you right away too. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, nah, not really. They don't have to, They're the client. So I think one thing like that, I'll probably have an email about this too, but like, you know, like it, the client has more power ultimately, right? Like the client has more power. They don't have to respond to you. They don't have to do anything like, you know, and as a freelancer, you're ultimately in a customer service position, which is, you know, great. You should own it and embrace it, but there is potentially more freedom as the um client because you're, you're beholden to less people right like if you're selling your products and services like you're, you're good right as long as everything's like kind of operating smoothly versus as a freelancer it's not so i think there, there's there's more power ultimately in being kind of like a offer owner business owner or whatever um but i think freelancing is an awesome step so that's that's my spin on it but it's pretty much the same thing you said just a different way of looking at it here um,
1: yeah, hundred percent. It's um, every, there's so many like different ways to like be successful or be successful in your own mind. So like a lot of people will be like, oh, what? Like, what should I do? Should I do like copywriting or you know, focus on email or Facebook ads or like, should I start my own like Shopify store? I'm like, dude, like there's successful people doing everything. You just gotta do something you enjoy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's important too. Actually, enjoying what you're doing is really, really crucial. Um, Isaac had asked how you transitioned from writing copy to managing lists, but we kind of talked about that already. So I'm gonna mark that one as answered. An anonymous attendee was like, what's the biggest struggle you're facing right now for you as a freelancer? I mean, I guess we can both answer that. I mean, our struggles will be different, I think, from other people maybe earlier on, but um, uh, I'll let you go, Troy, and maybe share anything you have to say about that.
1: Yeah, so I'd say right now, like I've gotten really, a lot better at time management and, you know, through all the things that that you've taught um, and Justin, as well as like Alex Becker, Sam Ovens, um, a lot of really smart people. Uh, but I still find myself sometimes like trying to manage like the crazy number of just like things that are flying at me, which then prevent me from doing the number one thing that's going to make me like the most money, have the most impact in the least amount of time. Um, so definitely just like being able to handle all these things and like finding people that I trust and being able to delegate and not having that thing in the back of my head that's like, oh, this has to be perfect. You have to do it yourself. Um, and there's some people on this call too that are on my team now and you know you do an amazing job. and um, it's uh, like I, I pretty much just go off of people in my circle and like referrals and like they're like all stars and they do an awesome job. And just like being able to trust them is like kind of the answer to my problem. But yes, it's definitely just being able to like, understand that I could be like going for a walk and like not thinking about anything and the world isn't gonna fall apart.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I totally, and I agree. I think, um, you know, for me, uh, I'm not doing too much freelance stuff at this current moment, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll take on the occasional project. Um, I guess, yeah, like sometimes it's time, like I'm, I'm, yeah, I taught a lot, taught a lot about time management. I'm pretty good at it at this point. Um, but there's still times where there are challenges, you know, one thing that, that Troy, you know, this, well, like Justin, I talk about kind of your magic time where there's like the couple hour block where you get your most kind of important pressing tasks done each day. Um, you know, historically for me, that was always in like the morning from maybe like 6 AM to 8 AM. Um, and I mean, it still is, but one thing I went through the last month or two was, um, where my daughter started waking up earlier so she started waking up at like 7 7 15 um then she was like doing like camp and i chose i didn't have to but to like to, to drive her to camp every single day um we got a dog so then the dog at first wasn't like completely like kind of um i don't know he did just take forever to go to the bathroom in the morning and i had to like do stuff with him and um you know i, I found myself not having this magic morning time uh, that i would usually have and, and getting very grumpy and irritated about it um but because then that, that would be my magic time for freelancing, right, for example. But um, but what I've, you know, done really, honestly, is um, a couple of things. I mean, one thing is that I um, started going to bed earlier again because, like, I was trying to go to bed later, which meant when I go to bed earlier, I wake up earlier. So so maybe my magic time has to be from 5 to 7. So, it's like, I made the adjustment, right? Right. Um, I've cut back my drinking drastically. Um, like I have, I've drinking maybe one night of the last two weeks um, or before that, as people know me for a while, I know I would drink like, you know, every single day, not like heavily, I wouldn't get wasted, but you know, I'd have a couple of tequilas in the evening, whatever it is. And, um, uh, you know, but then I'm like, well, if I do that, I'm not not going to work, right? Which is cool. I don't want to work every evening and get burned out, but like, because I'm not drinking now, it's like, well, if I've still got stuff to do after my dog goes to bed, I want to take an hour or two and you know, do it. I'll just do it. And I find that I have just more mental energy when I wake up in the morning. Like I'm, I can dive into work faster. I don't need this like time for the fog to burn off. Um, and so I guess, you know, just sharing like that with people, cause it's sort of like annoying that it changed, but it's like, well, going, going back to response dash ability, it's like, well, I mean, it sort of is what it is. I mean, I could give her the dog. I could be, a you know, not as involved with a father to my daughter. Like I'm like, I don't do that stuff. I'm like, so I just have to find a way to make adjustments, but that was probably my biggest challenge recently was around um, you know, changes in scheduling and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's interesting too. And I've talked about this a lot before, but like Alex Becker's concept of dopamine detox, like if you're ever struggling with any of these things, like whether it's like drinking or like using your phone too much, or like going out too much, and like whatever it is, it the first few days are really rough but the whole like 80 20 of the thing is like you just have to stop doing that thing cold turkey for like three days and then at the end of those three days like the your brain's like expectation for the dopamine will like slowly go down and you won't want to do it anymore and for yeah some things it's going to take longer than that but like i do that with my phone and now i have like no desire to scroll on instagram anymore it's just like i i don't want to And when you think about it, like dopamine is a lot different than happiness because like dopamine is like, what is the least painful thing I could do right now? And for a lot of people, it's like scrolling my phone. Now, do you actually enjoy scrolling on your phone? Probably not. It's just the least painful thing to do in the moment. So um, that's something that helped me tremendously.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. I've talked about that as well and and huge, huge fan of that. Um, And just like, yeah, not saying on Facebook, I, I have to go on Facebook for like, copying starter stuff or whatever else or you know creating content, right? Because I create content, but um I don't just stick around, I don't start scrolling. Same thing with Instagram. So like if I'm in there, I'm talking to people in DMs, but like that's about it. Um Slack, you know, ignoring Slack most of the day, gym, all of that stuff, right? It is con it's like, I mean, our lives are like going around um just being like like slot machines basically or just constantly wanting like, like we're surrounded by slot machines that want us to pull the little the lever and um you you gotta say no but it becomes like a discipline and a habit so yeah i think that's super uh super important um i will uh see uh or marley um wanted to know a little bit more about emo the emo secrets mastermind because she's really considering joining and i'm sure other people would be interested too so totally happy to have you share a little bit about that um you know here troy
1: yeah sure so um basically what that is it's a group where i teach people the exact things that i was talking about earlier uh how to go from a copywriter to an email list manager so we've got beginners in there and we've got people like all the way up as high as like J.D. debolt who you know runs credit secrets so we've got everybody in between and what it is is essentially there is a whole like library of different trainings that i've made in regard to like how to scale an email list how to get your first client how to like do very like advanced things that people have questions on. And the reason I know these things help is because like the video library is made from questions that people have asked me. So that's one thing. We do have a job board as well. I do also offer like feedback. Um, a lot of it is copy and a lot of it is also just like strategy in regard to scaling an email list. Um, so those are some of the main things you get. We have bi-weekly calls where we pick different topics, have different guests. Um, And those are like the main perks to it, right? In the community. Like a lot of people really, you know, value community. So it's like, it's similar to a lot of other groups with a couple of things, but it's just very specific for email and becoming a list manager and it's pretty advanced. And the price point is still super low on that. Um, It's 49 bucks a month and it's like a dollar trial, but that is going to start increasing. The first increase happens on July 4th. Um, So at leadparamedic.com, you can sign up for that. And then you're grandfathered in but eventually this will be like an actual mastermind. I'm not ready for that yet. We've got a lot of things to focus on before that, uh, but it will be there eventually.
0: Sweet, sorry, I was putting the the links into the chat and on Facebook live too. So cool, thanks for sharing that, leadparamedic.com. I like it, you're getting more questions than almost um, almost any guests have had in a while. Um, I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, the next one comes from uh from john michael williams who wants to know about kind of picking and choosing for opportunities so john i'm going to bring you on i'll let john a- ask a question and then we'll um we'll go from there so let me find john here cool what's up john
3: hey stephan and troy big fans i'm on both of your guys lists. you guys' list. you guys always bring the content uh quick question so uh like how do you know when to um like pass on opportunities, perhaps, um, that may not be so when if you're trying to align, you know, purpose with with what you're doing. And so and so opportunities will come. And so uh, how do you know when maybe to pass on something that that looks like it could be a very perfect fit and go for your gut, which is telling you like, you know, go another direction. And that other direction is not guaranteed, though. So how do you, how do you balance that and make that, make that choice?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things, I mean, let me actually get some clarity on this. Are you like talking about like when you get client opportunities, should you say yes or no, or are you saying you're at a fork in the road where you're like eyeing one opportunity or you could just say no to that and take a completely different opportunity?
3: So I'm at, it's kind of like at a fork in the road where I think that I like would have some opportunity to go left. And build with something possibly that would be really cool, or go right, and still build that with some people that I trust a little bit more, Um, and that, uh, and so yeah, so yeah, that that kind of gives you an idea, I think.
1: Okay, so if I'm at a fork in the road, and this might sound like just extremely like tactical and logical and all that, but the thing that helps me the most is just writing down everything that I know about each path. Um, because if I can't see it on paper, my my mind is just jumbling around so many things and I can't ever think about what the exact thing is because there's too many factors. So I'm writing down everything. As far as like finances are concerned, a lot of people forget about the time aspect to this too. right? So like there's a few things that go into this, like money, you can always get that, but time like every second that goes by, we have one less. So you really need to factor in that everything we're doing is not just money, but it's also a time trade-off. So, Maybe if you could like calculate like, okay, well, if I take this job, like here's what I'm realistically going to be paid every hour factoring in, you know, like driving or like doing this or like things I'm not being paid for. And then here's, you know, my passion over here where I'm trying to make it work. Um, Here's what I need to invest. Here's the time that I need to put in. Just figuring out like, what's gonna make you like really happy and kind of like go with your lifestyle. Um, Or maybe if it's a client, another thing you need to keep in mind is like, even though like you might be scared to pitch a certain price to a client um keep in mind that that's just like the upper level of the the range right so like maybe there's a maximum amount the client's willing to pay which you could get up with bonuses and so forth but there's also a minimum right like because it's not just the client it's there's two people there's them and there's you so like what is the minimum that you're willing to do it for So if the price is somewhere like above your minimum and below their maximum, there should be a deal struck, but just make sure that you can factor in time and happiness and finances and just like living out your passion. I don't want to sound cheesy by any means, but that's kind of what I can say, just from the limited info that I know.
3: Sounds perfect. Thank you.
0: Sure. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for the question. Um, sweet. So that one's good. Okay, so Bobby has a question, then Bobby changed his question, but said, I want to change my question, but I want to speak and ask Troy. It's about list management stuff. I hope I will be approved. So yeah, we'll approve you, Bobby. And as long as it's not, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you got my curiosity. So Bobby, come on, come on, on, dude, ask, a, ask away. Hey, guys, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, without uh,
2: wasting any time. Okay, Troy, so uh... You know, I just want to ask you something about email marketing. Uh, so, briefly, I started uh, setting up flows for clients on Klaviyo, writing the automations and stuff like that, like you know, welcome series and stuff like that. And I want to ask you, uh, did you start from there? I mean, doing something similar. And about uh, the sales page, I just checked it. So you're teaching stuff like that. I mean, how to set up, set up the flows, how uh not your, your emails not to land in the uh, promotion step and stuff like that am i going to get all of this so that's it thanks yeah so
1: to answer the question um i, I think the first part was like what should you do first so yeah like if you get a new client clavio for example the most important thing you probably do uh it depends on what the business is but like i'm gonna assume it's e because it's clavio abandoned cart flow is probably most important in um, setting it up having like roughly five emails in there instead of like one or two uh, answering people's objections in those emails that's all really important and you could work on like a welcome series and obviously the goal with that is to make sure that you know people are reaffirmed in their decision um, they understand what they just bought and then after that you try to like upsell them into the next thing uh, Browse abandonment good too. It's similar to abandoned cart, but you know, they don't need to go all the way to checkout because they already have their email. So like if they click to a product and they don't buy, you can hit them with a follow up. Um, so those are probably, you know, really three that are super important. And then broadcasts of course, because like, you know, sending more yeah. emails is like th- there's two things that are actually super simple that are going to be like the 80 20 of things. One is sending more emails and two is making sure people see those emails. So as far as like all the automations and things that you've like mentioned. Um, yeah, I go over like all that stuff and if you see anything or if you don't see something in the group that you want an answer to, then you just post and you say like, hey, can somebody help me with this? And then I make a video about it and then your question is answered. As far as deliverability, yes, I do go over a lot of things with that. um, Between like spam and promo, obviously it doesn't include, you know, my whole like get out of the promo tab offer. But I do give you like some tips on how to do it, you know, the longer, like, harder way essentially but for a spam i do have a full training in there on that one awesome thanks man
0: thanks for that sweet thanks for the question bobby um next up Fade asked a question but he left so i'm not gonna do that one for now uh chad falman has a question um i'm gonna bring in mr chad always bringing that good energy that chad, chad what's up
2: Hey, hey, you know, we're doing some good stuff here. I love it. You're two handsome gentlemen. And it's good to see your face on here, Troy. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey, so here's the question I have. Now I've had quite a bit of success recently taking on six clients. And I've also amassed a little bit of a following, just naturally. So there's people that come to me and say, hey, I'm looking for gigs and trying to build my skill set. Can you help me out? And I sure whenever I can, I love to help people out. Now, that being said, for the time invested, when I get these gigs and I'm training people, I still get to revise their content. I still get to correct them and and educate them. And that's all fine. But I look at the time investment and I said, well, I could probably get to a point where I'm getting on 10K, 20K gigs at a pop and just doing it all myself. Now, the problem of course, is that there's an obvious ceiling there. So. I'm really just looking for either of your perspective, where you think I should go, because both of you know me quite well. And I would appreciate any feedback that you had in that realm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you you kind of hit the nail on the head to an extent. It's like, yeah, of course, there's going to be a limit when you're doing freelance work. Now, having a team around you is going to increase that limit at some point. Obviously, you're sacrificing a little bit of profitability. But most of the time, it's worth it, because as long as you're not like breaking even or close to that like it makes sense to add more members to your team even in what i'm doing there's a limit like sure like six figures a month it sounds cool and all but there's still a limit i like need to bring on more people because like a couple people on my team are very overworked right now and i'm working really hard to try and fix these scaling problems um but they are going to happen the only like real way and i mean there's a limit in everything but like one of the fastest ways and stefan probably knows a lot more about this than i do Um, But just running like a a physical product business like sounds easier because like I don't have to fulfill services Um, and you can probably scale that way further. But then again, you run into your own issues with like inventory and all that stuff. So I mean, you can do very, very, very well um, with services if you have a good team around you. So I wouldn't necessarily shy away from it. Um, But it's like you, you just have to do something that you enjoy the most and understand like, Hey, if I'm not making like 500 grand a month, it's okay. Um, and maybe I'm making enough right now, or I don't know what your goals are, but there's uh, and what I'm doing, I definitely recognize that there's like some level of scaling limits, but you can mitigate that with other stuff as well, like bonuses and whatnot. But, um, there's other business models that would probably scale further. It's just that I don't really want to put the time investment into that. And I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much.
2: I see. Before you answer, Stefan, Troy, to clarify, my goal is seven figures. I'm willing to accept a certain level of dispassion to get there and a certain level of stress. That, so that's my intention. I'm okay
1: there. with stress, but when you say dispassion, it's like, that makes me think you're going to do something you don't want to do to make seven figures. And I will, like, just be aware of that.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Thank you, man. And I, because I think, so, I mean, generally like you're going to have an easier time making seven figures with something that you're passionate about, right? Like, that's just like the truth. doesn't mean, you know, like there's people who are investment banking or lawyers and they're not that passionate about it and they still, you know, find a way to make seven figures, but realistically, if you can be passionate about something, it's just a lot easier because you'll be more motivated to get up and do stuff. You'll on the shitty days, you'll keep going all that kind of stuff too. Um, you know, on that the kind of question of like, you know, just sort of being a lone wolf versus um, you know, building a team and coaching them or even coaching other people and having a coaching offer, uh, because of kind of same thought for for that, is like it's really just more about building up to that ROI, right? So you are you're just sacrificing more short term, but you know, the long-term upside is is potentially much better. And when people get into Trouble when they build teams is all that upfront investment, right? It's like, cause you, you people do they're like, fuck, this is a lot of work. Like I've got to like um, you know, I'm like what you said earlier, like I've got to like, you know, hire them and train them and teach them and correct them and fix stuff and all that. And it can take like months and months and months. Um, you know, on the flip side, once the people are really dialed in and then you can go and scale more, you know, you're basically creating like an agency, right? Um then you can work significantly less and it can keep growing and scaling and people who have risen up with you and been trained can then be put in charge of training more people so you don't have to do it in the future they're the ones doing it. you can eventually have a full-time sort of trainer Um, you you have your sops all that kind of stuff Um, so you know ultimately it's great one of the reasons i don't like the agency model so much is because often people just aren't going to do any of those things and you know they don't have experience managing people and payroll and hr and all this other stuff and so they sort of get overwhelmed um they end up making way less money uh the people who they hire don't really succeed and it becomes like a failure for that reason um it doesn't have to be but it's a lot of work um and then even if you do like a coaching group right where you like if you're following you coach and teach people and, and do like a mastermind or something like that um you know it's kind of the same thing like it has to build up to where it's actually worthwhile because it is a lot of work even even there but um you know if you hit scale it's obviously quite amazing as well i'm not sure if those thoughts help you Chad or not, but that's what I got.
2: Well, here's another thought. If you were to build an agency today, would you, and you're already kind of doing this, would you take it? Would you source people from like RMBC method and, and what have you? So going back in time a little bit, would you maybe create a program earlier where they're going through this boot camp, And then from there, you're taking them and offering those people gigs, because you know, at least they have a baseline of skill
0: yeah it, it would depend i mean like because like, the, the supplement jv thing i'm doing um and i wrote like the first offer which i'm will probably go live next week and i think it's gonna crush and then i have luke mills writing a second offer and i'm gonna basically split my my profit with him on it which can make him millions of dollars so he's pretty excited about that and then but long term right this company is at 60 million a year the goal is to get to like you know half a billion a year whatever so like and i don't you know i'm not very very clear if the person i'm, I'm partnering with where it's like i don't We'll have to write all the offers, of course. So I'm also gonna be building out a whole copy team, right? So what am I gonna do? Um yeah, I mean probably mostly I'll hire people from copy accelerator and RMBC, people that I know are good. I mean that's what I did for Luke Mills. It's like he was in RMBC. I saw like you know his letters like they were good. Then we did like these contests in copy accelerator and he kept winning and you know finally and then I asked him to help me with something to finish like a project that was like you know, I'd done most of the hard work, but I was like, hey, can you try and fill in some of these blanks for me because I'm getting pressed for time. And I was like, let's well, see what happened. And he just like did it, nailed it. Um, and then finally after like a year plus, I was like, I trust him, but there's other writers. And um, I mean, to be you know, completely honest with you, I'd probably pick people from copy accelerator over RBC because like copy accelerator is just even, you know, RMBC is amazing for getting your copy to where it needs to be, but, our, but copy accelerator is like, I'm seeing their copy. I'm really interfacing with them more. Um, I'd probably do that. Uh, you know, I, I could do it the other way where I hire people from scratch for like fifty. And frankly, we may maybe it's a hybrid because maybe I do some of those the, the big guns for that stuff. But we want to like cultivate new talent. So maybe, maybe we want to have people in house or local. At which point, what I've done in the past is like I'll literally put ads on Craigslist, like hey, like you know, gonna pay you like twenty dollars an hour, thirty dollars an hour, something like that. Um, you know, and teach you how to like write advertisements and basically train them from scratch. Um, but those people would have a much longer journey and I wouldn't be giving them like long form copy and promos and things. Um, you know, I, I think if I started an agency today, that I would you know, kill it. I think I could do great with an agency today because of all my mistakes I've made. Um, but I still think I would not enjoy it because no matter how much we kill it, there would still be unhappy clients and people complaining and you know times where we don't fulfill and me having to manage a bunch of pe- pieces. Or I, I put the systems in place for that, but ultimately through the agency owner, and you get a big client, right? Like they want, they come to you. They're like, you can be like, this is your account, right? This is your person. But someone's unhappy. They're ultimately going to come to you. And then you're dealing with, you know, all of these headaches that for me, it's just not worthwhile. It's like, I'd rather just scale my own stuff and, and frankly, you know, do physical products. And if copywriter, you know, it's well established at this point. So, um, yeah. Right on.
2: Well, you've both given me some things to think about. I appreciate it. And I won't hog the spotlight any longer. So, yeah, this can
0: ask you some questions there. Cool, man, well, no, that was a great you. question. Thank you. Thanks, dude. Um, that's a good question. So let me finish that one. Uh, Ron, uh, Javier, I'll, I'll read off the next couple, kind of a little more rapid fire probably, but Ron said, um, can you speak about people worrying about iOS 15 making open rights uh, irrelevant?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. It's like the ESPs haven't even responded to that yet because they don't know. Um, But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is um, it's actually going to be the opposite of what a lot of people are thinking. So uh, all the emails that are like sent out to like people in the mail app are going to show up as opened. Um, So your open rates are actually going to like look like they're way higher. So you're just gonna have to do a really good job like before it happens like today, like try to set this up where you're tracking engagement. Um, Let's say you have like a 90 day period where somebody doesn't open an email and you kick them off the list, which is generally a good principle. You're gonna have to really start paying attention to clicks and replies and other ways of like knowing that you know people are engaging with your emails. Um, And the sooner you set that up and the sooner you fix spam problems, promo problems, all that stuff, um, the easier it's gonna be when iOS 15 comes out. If you wait until then, it's gonna be a little late because then you have no previous data and you just have a whole bunch of people and you're just like blindly guessing whether or not they've been engaged. Um, but if you set it up right and you have all the stuff done in advance and you can tell when people are like clicking and engaging, then you should be fine because it's not like it's gonna affect the actual number of people opening your emails, it's only gonna be the tracking. But if you don't do it now, then it's just gonna be this big mystery and after a couple of months of iOS 15, you could be in the spam folder if you're sending to a whole bunch of people that aren't engaged.
0: Cool. Awesome. Awesome answer. Um, next question is from, uh, James who is asking us this for me, but he said, you said clients have more power and they don't have to respond and you're right, but how do you go about getting them to respond so I can get that high paying client? Well, yeah, James. So I was talking more specifically once they've already hired you, especially, um, you send them the work, you know, like, here it is. And they're like, great. And you're like, can I get updates? Can I get this? Or, and like, or maybe you need something to finish the job. It takes them a long time. And I, you know, there's not really, a ton you can do there besides being persistent, Um, but to your question about how do you get them to respond? um, If they're like a prospective client, you're trying to land, uh, you know, like Justin, I did that whole training yesterday, if you didn't watch it, please go watch it, because we basically show you the exact blueprint for how to do it. Um, It's in Justin's seven talk copy, there's a replay there, you can go see it, um, or on Justin's YouTube channel. But um, besides that, like you just follow up, man, like I I talk about this so much because it's so Crazy, like, you know, um, people just will email once or twice or something like that. And then if I don't respond, they give up. Like, I I always try to say, like, I'm not like I even today have people soliciting me, like, people solicit me a lot, but like, like, I'm not a good person to solicit to write copy for, because like, I can write my own copy. Like, people are like, hey, here's some email creatives, right? Which is a cool approach and strategy. Like, I'm like one of the best copywriters in the world. I can write email creatives in like 10 minutes. So sending me like three creatives to test for something that if you like, Little mini tangent, but like somebody, um, you know, was like, Hey, I wrote three emails for copy accelerator that you can promote, right? Um, and they sent this to me two days ago, and then which they haven't emailed me since, which they, sh- they should do, like, they should already have emailed me again. I'm like, hey, man, did you get it? Like, they should email me like every day for the next five to seven days at least. Um, but beyond that, um, like, it's like, do you see me like I'm, I'm promoting the live event right now, but I don't do emails really promoting copy accelerator to my list, like, not like, hey, join our mastermind, right? Like, I, we don't really do that, so. I'm never. If I'm never emailing about it. Then like those creators aren't specific. If you were like, hey, I see you're doing this live event. Here's three emails you could do for the live event. That would be like more useful and pertinent to me. But also, I'm a copywriter. I'm actually not a great market. Right? But there's so many business owners out there who are a good fit. So like, you know, just like people constantly try to pitch me on like writing for me. But it's like I'm not because I teach the strategy. I get it. But I'm like it's it's not a good idea. Like I'm I'm not like a good uh, prospect. You know. Um, I don't think it's super critical. This is like, I'm not like an offer. I mean, I am an offer owner, but like, you know, it's just different, I think. Um, But yeah.
1: uh, Yeah, one thing that helps me too with follow-up for like prospective clients, like when I first started out, I would just, email people be like, hey, did you read it? Did you read it? And like, keep sending it over and over, which is better than not following up. But uh, then I quickly learned, like you have to put some kind of new twist on it. Like if you say, did you read it yet? And they don't reply like three days in a row, you should probably be like, Hey John, um, I just thought of this like new idea and then maybe like briefly say it in a really curious way within one to do sentences and be like, would you be interested in hearing about that? And just like something new and exciting that could help them or making loom videos like pointing out different things on their site that they're not good at because like Stefan's really good at copy. he may not need that, but maybe there's something else going on that he you know hasn't found something else to do yet. In the same way, like I can speak to like Sam Evanss mastermind. I joined that one too. And like, there's some very high level people in there, but frankly, they're not very good at copy. So like when I go in there and I send them samples and like leave feedback on their posts, they're like blown away. And it's just two different markets.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Troy. Um, super good point. Yeah. be original, I mean, I, uh, who was it? Was it uh Parth, I guess, who like emailed me like 15, 17 times. And then I still didn't hire him because it was the same thing I just said. But he was so persistent, and his emails were funny and creative every time that I gave him this big shout out in Justin's 11th copy, and then multiple multiple people hired him to write emails for them after that. Um, and I gave him the shout out because I'm like, damn, I just appreciate that this guy's following up so much, right? Um, so yeah, just just but but yeah, not the same thing again. Like, hey, don't you don't you can't get mad right as soon as you get like sort of pissed off or like sort of like feel like acting like you uh, have been slighted or deserved. As soon as you make me feel crappy about it like you can make me feel crappy like, inter- like if you're like hey dude like blah blah and like i'm like oh man i should really respond to this person's email that's one thing if you try to guilt me like then i'm like fuck this person like now i'm never going to reply right okay. so important um to, to not do that um so yeah cool uh i'll let michael I'll put a question in the chat I'll, we can do that real quick i mean for an e-comm list what does a list manager charge retainer and performance incentive and where do you find them um yeah go ahead
1: Sure. Yeah. So the last question implies that you are an ecom list and you're trying to find somebody. Um, so what I charge is five k a month plus roughly five percent of email revenue, depending upon you know the client. Um, I know people who charge more. Um, frankly, I could be doing a better job of that. But if you want somebody good, it's roughly gonna you know you can do the math and figure out what how much that would be for you. Um, but as far as where to find them. And the same thing is true, like with finding like team members or, you know, copywriters or managers, you usually want to find them inside of a paying group because they've shown that they can invest in themselves. So like I have a job board, obviously Stefan has a job board, he charges more. So those people are, you know, typically going to be more advanced. Um, So, yeah, I would probably recommend one of those two places.
0: Sweet. Perfect, man. Um, Yeah, 5% of gross sales generated. Yeah, not, not your total company gross but like 5% of what you're they're, they're generating for you. Um and then yeah, the very simple last one from anonymous attendee said do you write with music or silence? So, um I personally write with uh silence. Everyone's different, but I like I joke I always joke with, with my wife Laura that if I could go into like a perfect like soundproof chamber, like a vacuum and write and just like that would be my ideal. I wear I wear noise-canceling headphones whenever uh whenever I'm writing. It's like at this point Even in that vacuum chamber, if it was like guaranteed, there'd be zero sound. I would still wear them because it's such a habit, Um, but everybody's different. I'm not sure about you, Troy, what you do.
1: Yeah. So the only time I'll listen to music is when I'm doing something that's just very mindless. But I think it goes along with, you know, how a lot of people think that like there's some like big tool or like like software, like new like toy that they need to buy that's going to help them be more productive. Music is the same way. So like when I'm writing, I cannot listen to music or like when I'm sleeping, a lot of people are like, oh, listen to like this app on, you know, and they have this like binaural, like whatever that's going to help you fall asleep. I believed that for the longest time. And then I like stopped doing that. And I was like, I fall asleep so much faster (laughs) and not listening to things. And same thing, like people are like, oh, like what music should I listen to? I'm like nothing like just go ahead and write and like be one in your thoughts like there's no way i can put out good copy when there's music playing in my head i just don't know how people do that and i think a lot of times i feel pressured because all these apps are like hey you need to listen to this be more productive download this i'm like 90 of those apps are trash and they literally make you work less productive even though they claim it's more like simplicity is the key i do not like to work on projects or with people who have complicated businesses it's just not like conducive for happiness
0: yeah. I love that. I agree so much. And I think like, yeah, like, so example, I talked about how I got like an aura ring and then I didn't like wearing a ring cause like, like you're lifting weights, playing golf, whatever. So I got the whoop band, which I'm wearing right now, which I do like, um, I check it. But one thing I had like mentally to be like, is cause if you, if you open it and it's like your sleep was shitty last night, right. Then you're like, oh, I'm tired because my sleep and like I, but like, I was like, well, I was going through life like of the same sleep that I got last night and not feeling that tired so like now this thing is telling me that i'm tired so now i'm going to go around and just sort of use that as an excuse to be like you know kind of like and i i, I guarantee you a lot of people will do that stuff where now it's like oh my god you know, five hours and 45 minutes and i didn't get enough REM and deep sleep so like fuck, i can't do anything today right but if you hadn't actually looked at their, like the app you never would have you never think that right you'd be like oh, yeah i'm a little tired gotta get my shit done um, yeah i
1: 100 agree on that one so like i have an aura ring too sam ovens recommended and i was like oh i guess i have to get one Uh, but I got it and I I don't wear it around anymore because it's just a hassle. I wear it when I sleep, but I don't check it every day. Like what I'm trying to get out of it is just like identify patterns and notice things, but for the exact reason that you mentioned, I do not like look at it every day, because if your brain sees, Hey, you're supposed to be tired, you will feel more sluggish Totally. and the same thing, like, uh, like other companies have done the same. So I used to have that thing when, um, like the progressive, like where it tracks are driving. And I actually found that, like, they were basically bribing me to, like, save $50 by, like, having them track my driving. But, like, what is the, like, the the theory with, like, the dog and the ringing bell? You probably know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so, like, I was training myself to not want to hear that. So, there were a couple times where, like, I really should have braked hard because, like, somebody pulled out in front or whatever. And I didn't do it because I didn't want to hear the beep. I'm like, I could have died right there because (laughs) I tried to save $50. Like, I just threw that shit out immediately. I was like, it's not worth it.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, going back to like I put it in the chat for people who are on the Zoom call, but like, yeah, even just stuff like notifications. Like, I you cannot pay me um, any amount of my money to enable notifications for any app. It's like every single app wants to do it, right? I mean, including Aura and Whoop, and it's like, you know, get up and move, run around. You're sleepless. It's like, how's that making me more productive? I'm just being distracted all the time by stupid notifications on my phone. Like, I am the most. I'm wildly anti-notifications. Um, Troy, fucking awesome, dude! This is such a good conversation. Um, I'm really glad I had you on. I'm gonna take, I'm probably gonna start switching to doing our uh Road to Billion like once a month instead of weekly. Honestly, um, I'm figuring that out. So, you know, I might take i I'm probably gonna take a, day, a week or two off after this. And, um, but I'm really glad I got you on before that. This was such an awesome, awesome, awesome conversation. So, for everybody, you know, places you can engage with, uh, Troy gmailpromotab.com if you want to learn how to make sure that ninety well not learn but hire Troy to make sure that ninety percent plus of your emails uh, end up in the primary inbox for Gmail, uh, faqemail.com if you want to um, you know basically find out have your questions answered around uh, email deliverability spam a lot of other stuff plus you know kind of get into Troy's world and and you know get on his email list and stuff like that and you can also go to leadparamedic.com to look at joining Troy's Mastermind, which I would highly recommend, um, and a lot of other stuff like that. Um, but also, if you want to hang out with Troy and me, come to Scottsdale. We'll be there August 31st through September 2nd. It's a copy Starter event. You actually get a um, you get to join Copy Starter Lite when you are um when you buy a ticket. So you basically can be in our mastermind for two months for free in addition to your ticket. It's a pretty crazy deal. I put the link in the chat in Zoom again, and I will also pop it in Facebook Live one more time as well. Um, and for people watching the replay on YouTube, make sure that you leave a comment, make sure you hit the like button. You're on uh, iTunes, make sure that you leave a review, all that. And with that being said, Troy, any final words for anybody? Anything you want to say before we sign off here?
1: Uh, I just want to say thank you because it's been really crazy Like since 2019. like Things have happened like very, very, very quickly. Um, And just the fact that I see people like hopping on here and wanting to ask questions of me is like very humbling. So I just want to say thank you and like if you're in a position where like you like all you have to do is believe in yourself, I know it sounds kind of cheesy but like you're a lot closer than you think. Um, I really like that one meme where it's got like two miners who are like going. And there's like a bunch of diamonds on the other side of this wall. And like one guy is like, oh, I'm so far away. And he didn't realize how close he was to striking diamonds. And the other guy kept going, so he got them. So life is very much like that.
0: Totally agree, man, 100%. And yeah, man, my pleasure. I'm just, uh, I'm, you know, it's been awesome to see your growth and, and you are such a, just an awesome dude. You're so deserving of it. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do another conversation soon. So that being said, we'll wrap up. Everyone, uh, thank you for joining us. Again, huge thank you to Troy Erickson uh you know leadparamedic.com uh faq gmailpromotab.com promo promotions i make sure you're right gmailpromotab.com right yep. yep perfect check it all out and uh, everyone have a great uh, rest of your week and then for those in the us enjoy fourth of july uh on sunday and uh we'll see everybody soon thank you thank you all right that's just about it for today before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpalgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com. Dot com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.